Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus both possess the qualities we're looking for in our team. Tough, gritty, smart, opportunistic winners. It was an easy decision for me. What am I about and what's my philosophy? We're going to build through the draft. We're going to acquire young, fast, and physical football players. And the last thing, the most important piece, is we're going to take the North and never give it back. Now, here's Kevin Powell. This is episode 38 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. I'm Kevin Powell. Thank you for tuning in a big week. Football is back. Still got about seven weeks until the season actually gets going, but training camp underway at Hallis Hall and around the NFL. And plenty of storylines to get to with the Bears. Roquan Smith, a hold-in, as some are referring to it as. He's at camp, but he's not necessarily a full participant. This over contract negotiations. Uh, Robert Quinn is also in attendance and practicing day one of practice on Wednesday, and uh, he was involved with drills and, and all of that. So um, plenty to get to. I talked to Lester Wiltfong. He's from the uh, Windy City Gridiron, and they cover the Bears. They've got podcasts, blogs, all that good stuff. So we dive into Bears news and kind of preview camp and the storylines that uh, stand out. Obviously, Justin Fields, the biggest one, because he is the most important player this upcoming season. The Bears with a couple of additions to the offensive line, which was a necessity. I said on the last podcast, which was three or four weeks ago, that uh, it was only a matter of time before they did add depth to that offensive line because if they were to go into the season with what they had in minicamp, it would have been completely insane for Ryan Poles to do that to this team. I understand it trying to bring in youth and competition and all that. But anyways, I'll get into that with Lester uh, in a bit on the podcast. I do want to address the whole Soldier Field thing. And Mayor Lightfoot was at Soldier Field earlier this week talking about plans to potentially put a dome over the stadium. It's all uh, too little too late for the city of Chicago. The chances of the Bears actually staying at Soldier Field are about zero. They are essentially going to have a blank slate in Arlington Heights where they can create all the revenue streams they want. They don't have to deal with Chicago politics. Um, I mean, it's almost comical at this point watching arguments about naming rights in Soldier Field and the money that would be spent and, and this and that. And the Bears are just like, cool, we're going to Arlington Heights and we're going to build an amazing stadium. So unless something completely unforeseen happens, the Bears are headed to Arlington Heights. And uh, that should be finalized by the end of the year, early next year. Um, I, I, I would say that they would probably benefit from upgrading Soldier Field in some capacity over the next few years here um, to spend a billion, $2 billion to, to pull off some of those renderings that we saw that the city of Chicago released uh, seems a bit insane considering you don't have an NFL team there. They still have to make it a lucrative spot for big acts, concerts, all that good stuff. So the Bears aren't staying at Soldier Field. The only possible way, which would never happen, is if the city of Chicago somehow gave the stadium to the Bears and allowed them to do with the land whatever they wanted to do. It just doesn't make sense. The Bears are headed to Arlington Heights. Um, I do think there are areas and ways to improve the whole museum campus, but you know, it's and I guess you might as well take a shot if you're the city of Chicago, but they're scrambling. And, you know, some of these render, renderings and renovation ideas should have been implemented back in 2000, 20 years ago or so when they when they initially renovated Soldier Field. But it's too little, too late. Wanted to get that off my chest before I got into my conversation with Lester Wilfong from Windy City Gridiron. 
Now joining me on episode 38 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast is Lester Wiltfong from Windy City Gridiron. They cover the Bears. They've got blogs, uh, articles, columns, podcasts, all sorts of good stuff covering the Bears. Lester, I appreciate you jumping on. Are you, are you pumped football is back? I know we got a ways to go until the regular season, but they are practicing. They are at, at a hellish hall. It's real football, finally. They're going to have pads on in a few days, so that's, that's incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy it's back. We've got plenty to talk about. And the the big storyline early on in camp is Roquan Smith. The first practice as, as yeah. we record this um, just wrapped up. He's present. He's not participating as of now as contract negotiations continue. And it's you know, people are referring to it as a hold-in, not necessarily a hold-out because he's there, he's around his teammates and all of that. But what do you make of the Roquan situation? How do you th- how do you see um, this being resolved? I mean, from a money standpoint, I understand he wants to get what he feels he deserves. Uh, that they did pick up his fifth-year option. He's getting a, a real pretty penny this season. But you look, he sees the other contracts around the league for for the off-ball linebackers. You know, I'm not saying he deserves the same thing that that uh, Darius Leonard got in Indianapolis. But you know, he's he's in that same stratosphere. He's a two-time second-team uh, uh, All-Pro guy. Um, he's a perfect fit for the brand new scheme. They talked about it today that he will be playing that weak side linebacker spot, so it'll keep him clean. He'll be making a lot of plays. So they need him back. I think at some point it'll get worked out because he's just too important of a piece for that defense. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things right now, I know it's a huge storyline, but this is a team that's likely not going to be contending for the playoffs, um, not going to be competing for a division title. At least most of us aren't predicting that. Um You'd like to see Roquan stick around for a long time, though. You'd love to see him be the anchor of this defense. The last thing I want to see is this thing to get nasty and him. I don't even know if 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 we would get to that, but a trade or something like that. I know Bears fans really want to see Roquan stick around. Um, but I, I think good for him, though. I mean, I think he should be fighting yeah. for another contract. Well, I mean, at this point, I mean, the, the the cap situation is what it is. I mean, they have some money to play with this year. But next season, they, their, their cap space explodes. We have Justin Fields still on, on his rookie deal. So there is some room to play with here if you want to bring your guy back. In. And like I said, he is such an important piece for that defense. He is a, 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 a one of the better linebackers in the game today. You know, there's no reason not to pay him. In, unless this team feels they're like several years away from contending. I mean, if they feel that, you know, obviously you talk about this year's a reset, but if they think they're going to contend next year, they're a much better football team with Roquan on the roster. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think, as you mentioned, like the, this, let me get your thoughts on Ryan Pohl's first offseason so far. There's been some some yeah. speed bumps, right? Like the Roquan situation. There's been a few arrests. Um, the Ogan Joby contract didn't work out. How, how have you viewed Ryan Pohl's offseason as a whole in year number one as general manager? I think generally I, I like what he's done. I think he's uh, been prudent with some of the moves he's made. He's, he understands the, the direction of the franchise is not a quick fix. Uh, so from that aspect, I, I, I think he's doing a good job. But like you said, you know, there's been some missteps along the way. I think it's, it's fair to criticize him for those. You know, he is a first-time GM. He is learning on the job. You know, some of the stuff with the contracts he has to figure out, you know, he's still getting his team in place as far as the stuff he has in the front office with him. So, I think right now, I think the jury's out, but I mean, I do like the direction of the franchise under Ryan Poles much better than I liked it under the direction of Ryan Pace. 
Yeah, and it was only a matter of time before they added some pieces to the offensive line because as minicamp went on and you looked at the way that starting five might look, it, it was it was scary. I mean, it was like, all right, we I understand he's trying to create competition and and all of that and get and get younger players in, but looking at the offensive line through camp and offseason program, it, it was there there wasn't a whole lot there. So adding Riley Reef, um, Schofield as well, th- those are two big pickups that. Look, I, I think, and I've said this all offseason, I think there's a fine line for Ryan Poles where, sure, you, you want to get as many of your guys in. You kind of want to, as you put it, have a reset year and create competition and sort of change the the overall identity of this team. But at the same time, you also want to put some pieces around Justin Fields, and they really didn't do that this offseason. And number one, the offensive line has been such a problem over the past couple of years. To go into it uh, without adding those two players would have just been completely irresponsible from Ryan Poles. So, um, look, I'm not saying these two guys are pro bowlers, all pro, anything like that, but they they had to add pieces. What, What did you think of the two signings at the offensive line? Yeah, I think all offseason, most most people realize at some point they had to add something. Unless Braxton Jones really, like, really wowed them, that left tackle, or Borm and Jenkins really stood out of right tackle. Uh, I think we all knew they had to do something. And then, of course, you have at, at right guard, you have, you know, Sam Musford, who was a, a center a couple of years. So, so they had some question marks in that line. I think we all knew at some point some vets were coming. Like I said, these guys aren't coming in as, as pro bowlers, but they're quality competent offensive lineman in the NFL, and that's what this team needs. Is there a player on the offense, whether it's receiver, that maybe has flown under the radar? Nikhil Harry was a guy who was a top pick for New England, and they deal for him. Other than Darnell Mooney, there's a lot of question marks at the receiver position. Anybody standing out for you that you're excited to see in camp? You know, honestly, I'm excited for the rookie Velas Jones. I think, uh, you know, he brings a skill set that this team desperately needs. I think uh, we're going to see, you know, the, we're going to see the receiving core used in a way we haven't seen the last few years under Matt Nagy. You know, we're going to see more, more, more mesh concepts, uh, more drag routes. You know, they're, they're going to try and pick these guys and get them free instead of all the hooks we saw last year with Nagy and the year before. So I'm excited to see them get the ball in, in a guy like Jones's hands because he is electric and he can run and he can and, you know he, he will he'll get to the end zone if he gets uh, some blocking and those screens those bubbles those stuff over the middle I'm excited to see what they do uh, with with a few packages for Velas Jones Jr. Yeah, and for Justin Fields. I mean, we haven't even touched on him yet. I think you know we, yeah. we talk about the personnel around him. It's not overwhelming. You've got Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet. You know, I, I think is maybe a little underappreciated from Bears fans. Maybe um, expectations were sky high for him to turn into I know we always are going to go to the top players of the Kelsey's or Kittle or whatever I think he's a really quality player so I mean you look at Mooney um, you look at Komet I think David Montgomery in this offense has a real good shot of being a huge piece and having a really nice year and, and look other than that though there's not a whole lot around Justin Fields to get you excited but the hope is that the scheme that Luke Getze is bringing here is what helps Justin Fields this season it's such a quarterback-friendly system. It's it's, it's a run-heavy system. Play action, bootlegs. I mean, we, we've all seen it. You know, we've seen it with with the Packers. We've seen it with the Rams. You know, we've seen it with the Broncos. You know, we've we've seen this this scheme take you know mediocre quarterbacks and put them in the Pro Bowl. Uh, Matt Schaub, I think, had three Pro Bowls playing in in, this, in a variation of this scheme. So you know, the fact that you have Justin Fields. And, and his, his big arm, his four four speed. But the fact that he is now in this this system, he has pl- some playmakers around him. I think the receiving core is better this year than it was a season ago. I know you you have uh, uh, you have uh, a Rob is gone now, but 
the A-Rod we saw last year wasn't the same guy we saw in years past. So I think the receiving core overall is a little better this year. So like you said, I'm excited to see how the, all the pieces fit within this new scheme. Everybody I have on the podcast, I asked for their thoughts on Justin Fields. It was a small sample size last year. The numbers, you don't really want to look at them because the offense was a mess. He had coaches that didn't help him out. But overall, how do you feel about Justin Fields and his potential? Yeah, I think his potential is through the roof. I mean, I, I'm not sure he'll ever get to that that Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, the elite status, but I think he can be a, a Pro Bowl type of quarterback. Um, he definitely has it in him. He has that 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 uh, that uh, alpha mentality that he wants to be the best that he can be. Um, the physical tools are there. You know, he has some stuff to clean up, obviously, from his rookie season. But, you know, I think he's in a, a, a situation now that's much more attainable for him to get those goals than he was a season ago. Yeah, I mean, it feels so long ago. But last year's camp with Dalton <laughs> and Fields and everybody was already angry at Matt Nagy for two disappointing, really two or three disappointing offensive seasons under Nagy, it does feel so refreshing this year just to just know you have a traditional quarterback room where you have the, 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 the longtime veteran as your backup and Justin Fields as your clear-cut number one. And, and he was asked about that uh, in his first press conference of training camp. And, like, he's kind of said all, all minicamp, too, like, of course that's going to help a quarterback's mindset, right? Like, you're not playing games. There's no juggling with the depth chart. It's like, you are a starting quarterback. Go get it. I mean, he knows it. He knows this is his team. Uh, this is his franchise. And if he plays well, this is going to be a city. I mean, the, the quarterback is the most the most important uh, t- team player in all of team sports. So if he thrives and he shows he's that guy, and I think he can, I think he's going to own the, own, own the city of Chicago. Oh, yeah. I mean, if everything plays out with Fields and next year they take a big step, this city will be just buzzing if it already isn't around Justin Fields. Not necessarily the whole team because they're mostly a disappointment year in and year out, but it would be it's a terrifying thought to think that this organization could screw up Justin Fields because I think he has all the tools you could possibly want in an NFL quarterback. He throws the deep ball accurate, which stood out to me last year, small sample size, but some of the throws he made last year were eye-opening stuff, and that's what you see from some of the best quarterbacks throughout the NFL is their ability to get the ball down the field. So it's a, it's a, it's a scary thought thinking that the Bears might doom the career of Justin Fields, at least in Chicago, but I'm very optimistic, cautiously optimistic, as we always are with quarterbacks here, but I feel really, really good about Justin Fields. Um, Robert Quinn did participate in practice today. Um, how do you think that plays out? You think he's with the Bears through camp and, and plays the season with them? I think he's. I think the Bears will trade him if, if the right deal comes up, comes up. Um, I think it, it may benefit them to kind of wait for the trade deadline. But I mean, if, if if something good comes up, they're comfortable with. I think it makes sense to move him. He's 32 years old. You know, his 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 contract is not something where you can't move him. I mean, it, it's pretty easy to move it in this day and age. You know, it'll give him some some relief. Um, and then, you know, let him go, you know, finish his career on a winner. I mean, I don't expect the Bears to be in the playoffs this season. I think with a guy like Robert Quinn, you want to do what's what's right by him. And, you know, to, to his credit, he's in camp. He's doing what he's supposed to do. But, you know, he, he's a valuable piece for a for a Super Bowl contender when he's on. And then for the Bears, though, he's just a guy that's, you know, going to be picking up sacks. So I think if you can move him, get a draft pick, you can have your young uh, uh, DN step up. I think that's the best thing for the franchise. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, I look back to the Khalil Mack trade, and I was a little underwhelmed with what they got back, a second and a sixth rounder for Khalil Mack. And granted, he was coming off some injuries and all of that. But Khalil Mack, when he's fully healthy and full go, 
He is a game wrecker. We saw it here. We only got to experience it for a few seasons. But Khalil Mack, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a monster year with the Chargers. So when we're talking about the Robert Quinn possibility of trading him, I'm like, all right, well, if Ryan Poles was only able to get a two and a six for Khalil Mack, what, what would he realistically get from for Robert Quinn? And it's not like other GMs aren't going to point to Ryan Poles and be like, look, you only got a second for Khalil Mack. You think I'm going to give you a third for Robert Quinn? So I think there, it, it does feel like he sticks out, right? It's like, why exactly is Robert Quinn here? Um, especially yeah. what they're trying to do with the roster. I'm all for trading him. But if it's just giving him away, I don't necessarily know. I mean, you still got to field a team this year. But if he's only going to get a sixth or seventh rounder, I don't know if it's necessarily. Um, I don't know if you necessarily just immediately jump all over that. Over that, despite Quinn kind of standing out as this veteran who doesn't really fit into the plan of the Bears right now. Yeah, I think that's one reason why he hasn't been traded yet. I think they're waiting for something to happen. They're waiting for a, a, a market to develop. You know, Von Miller got traded a couple of years ago, and, and I'm not saying you know, Robert Quinn and Von Miller are the same kind of player, but but Von Miller got moved at the trade deadline for a second and a third. You know, I think that's if you could kind of you know wait till that happens, you may get some some contending teams you know vying for his services. And if that's the case, I'm not, I don't think you're going to get a second for Quinn. I think maybe a third, maybe a fourth. But if you can pull something like that, you know, I think you pull the trigger. But you know, I, I'm excited to see the young guys on this roster develop and. Right now, Quinn, like you said, he sticks out right now because he's, he's he's an older guy. Yeah, as we record this, seeing some tweets pop up, right? Big says, Eberflu says, Roquan Smith is in a good spot and says they had a great conversation, though he declines to answer any questions about Smith and how he landed on the physically unable to perform list. We didn't really even touch on that. What did you make of that? Because we've talked about the contract, and then this morning before the first practice, he lands on the pup list. You know, I was trying to do some digging on that, some 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 Twitter sleuthing, so to speak, and you know, I think it may just be a technicality. I'm not sure if he took his physical yet. You know, and that's why he's on the pop because you know, of course, he's he's not going to practice. Um, I saw something else where there's some speculation that maybe you know, by him going on the pop, it's not technically a holdout, so they'll still be able to pay him. So I'm not sure. I, I don't think there's an injury there. I think it's just a, a technicality with the contract. Yeah. Uh, any other players on the roster that you think maybe are flying under the radar a little bit as training camp gets going? Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, Cole Komet. I think, like you said, Cole Komet is is in a good situation. Uh, he's in a good offense. He'll utilize his skills. There is no uh, a question mark if he's a, if he's a wide tight end or a huge tight end. You know, they're going to use him in line. And, and he had 60 catches last year. I mean, that was like the, the, the fourth or fifth most ever in the history of, of the Bears for, for that position. So, I think he's primed to get more 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 touchdowns, and I think uh, Cole Komet's going to surprise a lot of Bears fans. Yeah, I agree, and we know how valuable a tight end, a big target, can be for a quarterback. We saw it; we've seen it with Tom Brady throughout his entire career. I mean, he had Rob Gronkowski, but I'm not saying he's going to be Gronkowski. But you know how valuable tight ends can be for quarterbacks, kind of that go-to target in the red zone or a third-down pickup, something like that. I would love to see Fields and Komet build that relationship. You know, they did a lot of work in the offseason. And, you know, like I said, the offense, you know, the, the play action stuff they're going to do, they're going to get Cole Komet, you know, freed up a lot in, in, in the open field. And, you know, he's, he's 6'5", 6'6", 265, you know. You know, we've seen him in the past with the ball in his hands, you know, make, you know, make some damage there, get some really uh, angry runs. And, and I'm excited to see Cole Komet this season. What have you made of Matt Eberflus so far? Just from when he's talked to the press, um, it's, you know, it's so I hate to almost overanalyze press conferences, although there are there are a lot of times though where I think you you can 
be critical of a front office member or a coach or things like that. I know Ryan Poles spoke yesterday. Some people were critical of it. And Look, uh, I don't know how much any general manager in the NFL would say about a player who's holding out um, in contract talks. I also don't know why they're always so afraid to be transparent about certain issues. Um, but and it's hard. Look, we're going to judge a coach by the team's win loss record, and you know the locker room doesn't stay together. But I mean, so far I've liked what I've heard from Matt Eberflus. He's very much a football guy. I mean, his hits principle and things like that that some have had fun with. But um, from what you've heard from the flu so far, what have what have you seen from him? I guess do you, do you, did you like the hire when they brought him in? I did not like the hire at first. I, I thought they were going to go more offense. Uh, Brian Dable and someone like that. You know, I thought they were going to try and get a, a young offensive mind to kind of learn and grow with uh, with Justin Fields. But 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 since they made the hire, since we've had a chance to kind of kind of learn what he's all about, um, he kind of talked about how he plans to develop Fields. I mean, he has a defensive mindset which is just as valuable for a young quarterback as, as a guy in offense. He can explain to him what, what a defense is trying to do to stop him. They're just a different way of coaching. And then you talk about the hits principle, uh, the tracking of the loafs. It's an old-school football mentality, and, and I really dig that. Yeah, Jalen Johnson talked about it this week, about you know the loafing. They call you out for loafing, and it seems as, as – and, and yeah. he's talked a lot about the turnovers, and every team wants to create turnovers, but some seem to um, – Instill that better than others. We we know here with Lovey, right? They, they it was just never ending talk about how Lovey was on the players about turnovers, picking up the ball when it's on the ground, no matter what, things like that. I love hearing that so far, and I also like that Ibrufu said, and he was I know he was ready for this question. I was at the introduct, introductory press conference. But, you know, he was asked about play calling and things like that. In the past couple of years, all we were doing is hollering about Matt Nagy to be a head coach and give up play calling duties and things like that. Now it's pretty clear that Ibrafus is there to be a head coach and let his assistants, his coordinators, handle their offense, handle their defense, special teams, things like that. After what we went through with the last coaching regime, I think, I think that's all you can kind of ask for right now. Well, yeah, I mean, we saw it with, with Matt Nagy. We saw it to an extent with, with uh, uh, Coach Levy Smith. You know, he, at some point he actually took the play calling duties back. So, so I think it's a good, a good philosophy as a head coach in this day and age especially is, you know, let your coaches coach. Let, let, let your play callers be in charge. And, you know, I think by him having an experienced uh, coordinator in, in and Alan Williams who has you know, call plays at the NFL level. I think that really helps them out. Uh, if you had to, this is way too early, it's a long way to go, but if you had to predict the starting offensive line week one, what do you think it looks like? Um, I think it's uh, uh, the newcomer Rice at left tackle, uh, Whitehair, uh, Patrick, uh, the newcomer Schofield at right guard, and I think it's going to be Tevin Jenkins at right tackle. Once the, once the pads go on, Tevin Jenkins' his physicality, his, his nastiness, that's going to come through. And I and, and I, I think it was a small sample size last year, but the, the few reps, the few games he played a season ago, I liked. And of course, the stuff he did in college was incredible. So I think Tevin Jenkins is your guy at right tackle once it's all gets, gets going. Yeah, it's just day one, but it sounds like Larry Borum got the majority of reps yep. with the first team today at right tackle. I think I feel almost this sense of. Um... How would I put it? Not impatient, but a lot of fans are, are ready to see Tevin Jenkins get a full load. You know, we didn't see a lot of it last yes. year. Um, so, I, you know, there's this sort of um, 
fans are sort of on the edge of their seat, right? To see Jenkins just settle into a position, wherever that may be on the line, and like, let's just see what you can do. Because as you said, I think there's a lot of upside there. It's just throughout minicamp, he wasn't getting a ton of first-team reps. Um, We didn't see a ton from him last year because of the injury. Not necessarily his fault, obviously. Um, But I I do sense that from fans. They just want to see Tevin Jenkins get some full-load reps and see what he can do. You know, his college tape, he is just that that nasty, you know, get after kind of guy. He has that 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 physical mentality. You know, he has the makeup that as Bears fans you want to see. We want to see our guys up front, you know, get after it. And and if he lives up to that potential, he's going to be a star in Chicago. You want to give me a way too early uh, Bears record prediction? Because why not? Uh. Six, let's go six or seven wins. I think, you know, I, I think that they, they could surprise and, and, and push for for for, uh, for, for, for five hundred. But you know, there's a lot, still a lot of question marks on, on the O line. We have to see them come together. The, the receiving core's got to come together. You know, there, there, there could be a, a trade or two. You know, still happening here. So a, a couple new schemes on offensive defense. So I think it might take them a little while to gel. But I think by the end of the season. They're going, to, they're going to be playing really good football, which gives us all hope for the uh, for the following year. Yeah, let's just hope they play good football. You know, if they lose because they don't have yeah. the talent, that's one thing. But let's play good football because we haven't seen that the past couple of years. A team that would consistently shoot themselves in the foot. I just and and that's that's kind of like what I'm getting from Eberflus and them. It's like they just want to create this identity and culture of good football. And whether or not you have the talent yet to succeed and compete for a for a championship or a Super Bowl is one thing. But penalties and dumb plays and getting in their own way, let's just not see that this year. You know, I understand if they they don't have the talent yet, but the past two, three years, it's just been incredibly frustrating watching Chicago Bears football because they continue to get in their own way, whether it was because of the players or the position that the coaches were putting them in. You know, it seemed like, you know, if there was a a, a bad time for a penalty last year and years before, <laughs> the Bears would always find that. Yeah. It would be the worst penalty at the worst possible time. So hopefully, the, you know, the, the, the accountability is much higher this season. Uh, Lester Wilfong from Windy City Gridiron. Any other thoughts you want to get off your chest before I let you go? As, as, as football returns, we're all excited. But anything we didn't get to that, that, that maybe you want to touch on? No, I'm just excited for camp to be here. I'll be at camp on uh, Friday and Saturday. And I think I have an, another date lined up a, a little later in the month. So you know, I'm excited to get things going myself. Yeah, it's great. Well, follow Lester on uh, on Twitter. What's your Twitter account? I don't have it pulled up, Lester. I am at WiltFongJR. WiltFongJR. Read their stuff at Windy City Gridiron. They do a good job covering the Bears. Lester, I appreciate the time, man. I'll see you around camp. Sounds good, Kevin. And that was episode 38 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Lester for jumping on the pod. And thank you to Ernie Skedden and Brian Altimer for their help producing the podcast. Plenty of Bears stuff to get through as training camp rolls on. Be on the lookout for more episodes here on the WGN Radio Football Podcast.